0: Dear church family, this evening we continue with our Bible study series in the life of Joseph. We're now on our 11th study this evening. In our previous study we saw that Jacob thought that seemingly all things were against him. All these things are against me, said Jacob. The famine was against him. And he, thought, he felt the pressure, of course, on his family and his family's family. The spiritual condition of his family was against him. That was uh, a burden unto him. The loss of Joseph was against him. That grief he faced for over 20 years, all the potential, the, the seeming loss, he thought, was against him. All these things, the famine, the spiritual condition, of his family, the loss of Joseph and the heartache that caused him, and the pressures, the mounting pressures that he was under. All these things were against him. So he thought, when the truth be told in God's eyes, that actually all these things were going for Jacob. And beloved, all true Christians can feel like Jacob at times. We can. We can go through times in our life where there are so many pressures facing us from without and from from within, and we can have all these things. We can feel that like all these things are seemingly against us. We can allow the dark clouds, as it were, of our circumstance to us to affect our spiritual vision and our and our faith. And friends. If there's any comfort, really, to be had in such times as this, in the trials of life, it's this, that the Lord is in the trial. The Lord is in the trial. That's our theme, really, for today's study. The Lord is in the trial. Never forget that. There's not one trial in which you're going through as a Christian, as we see with Jacob, that the Lord is not in it. Is any amongst us have afflicted? Let him pray. Pray. And pray some more when you're afflicted. As, as oil floats upon the water, so the prayers of God's people by the Holy Spirit will keep them afloat in deep waters. When we're in those deep waters, as it were. Well, this is really what we see in this chapter, in chapter 43 of Genesis, as the famine starts to get worse and it starts to take bite, as it were. God would continue to use Joseph as a, a master surgeon, as a master physician to unflinchingly cut the deeper into the sin-sick wound of his brethren to further discover sin. And also for Jacob as well. As a, as a, as a believer, he was in a, at a bit of a backslidden state here. And God, you see, he's so wonderfully in our lives he discovers those things that sometimes we have under the the jacket as it were those secret sins those deep sins he discovers them and so we see here friends if if the surgeon be stern if the surgeon have a, a strict stern face and he takes his time to cut out as it were the affected wound let it be known that it's because he wants to do it a right, so that the healing will be the better in the end. Let's not believe in this easy believism, this, this facade that's engulfed the West. We must not succumb to this. We see in Genesis 43 and 44, Joseph's final proving and discovering of his brethren. But it must also be said that this is not This is not only to bring them all, by God's grace, to lasting repentance. It's also to help Jacob as well here. Israel, out of his spiritual complacency as well, that he's been in for many years. Because it's evident from the beginning of this passage that he's forgotten about God's promises to him. That he made to him at Bethel and at Peniel. He's forgotten about them. There's a a bitterness in his heart here. As the famine worsens in verses 1 through 7, we see that God's covenanted family are starting to run out of corn again. starting to bite. Jacob tells his sons to go to Egypt again to buy corn. And we see Judah reminding his father that they cannot go unless Benjamin is with them. And you see, Jacob's holding on to Benjamin, as it were. He, he, he's, he's so guarding Benjamin. Benjamin's so precious to him. And you can understand why, couldn't you, from everything that transpired in the last 20 years, the, 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 the sin of his family. And so he's, he's kind of in this, this, this spirit where he's holding on to him. But in verse 6, we see again how Jacob is so full of this grief and blame of others. Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me as to tell the man whether you had a brother? We see this kind of blame, blaming spirit. Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me? Uh, Almost as if it's everyone else's fault. He's not looking in his own heart. As it were, and he's not looking to the sovereignty of God in this. And Judah, of course, for once, and his brethren, they're actually in the right here. Because they, their intentions were good this time. God was changing their hearts. And Judah, of course, explains the reason why. Well, well he straightly charged us. He, he asked us about... Um, About our family He asked us about if we had a brother He straightly charged us So he was being honest You know for once Judah was being honest And so we started to see the turning But Jacob here so consumed You see It would seem full of blame And really unkindness And We see here friends how that Jacob For a time had forgotten About the Lord's precious Promises to him at Bethel in Genesis 28:15 the Lord said to Jacob and behold I am with thee and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of and of course in Peniel as well when he wrestled with the Lord and the Lord blessed him I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, for I will never leave thee. What wonderful promises from the Lord! And these are the same promises that God makes us because the word is forever settled in heaven. We have his promises. And so often, friends, when we have all these pressures, and sometimes these, we can fail the Lord, and We can fail one another and we can have all these things happen in our life. We can forget about about God's promises to us. And we can live a joyless Christianity. And we see this really beginning with Jacob. Now, friends, remarkably, we continue to see the grace of God working in Judah's heart here. There's a real sense of turning In his heart and his life. In verse 8 through 12 we see that he is becoming sacrificial. He is becoming sacrificial. He says in verse 9 to his his father now. Reassuring his father. I'll be surety for him. That that word surety means I'll be a security. A foundation. a, A support for him. I will be a surety for him. That's Benjamin. In other words, let him go, Dad. Let him go. I will be a security for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him if I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee. Then let me bear the blame forever. I'm, if anything happens to him, I'm going to be blamed forever. You can put all the blame on me, as it were. And so these reassuring, kind words. And that really must have been encouraging to Jacob. Wow, friends, what, what a change of heart from before. From, from Judah, from before, he was, he was hurting God's people. He was hurting God's people. And now he's protecting God's people. We see here, true restitution, uh, a wanting to put right by the grace of God, his wrongs, as it were, where previously he had failed. And friends, it's not how you start that counts. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. That's what's going to matter in the end. We all start off wrong. We're not born Christians. Uh, And even in our Christian Lives We can fail the Lord. But it's how you finish that counts. Saul, of course, uh, he was a religious, very religious, wasn't he? But when that great change happened in his heart, well, no doubt he was one of the best, if not the the best of saints that ever lived, that ever was used of the Lord. He, He hurt God's people. But then he had this love and protection over people. The same with Manasseh, who spilt his own children's blood. Rahab, uh, the, um, the harlot, well, she um, ensnared men with her, her body, didn't she? But then she hid men. She helped men in her house, as it were, because she believed in the God of Israel. You see the transforming effect of when when someone is converted, that they almost has an opposite effect. They want to help God's people, and this is what we're seeing with Judah. This sacrificial, the sacrificial heart now wanting to help, wanting to reassure Jacob as so a wanting to revive and reassure him. And in verses 11 through 14, it would seem that Judah's kind and reassuring words caused Jacob to hope again and to revive faith again. And perhaps it was seeing Judah's change of heart and his now kind and reassuring words that reminded Jacob of God's mercy. Of God's mercy. And, dear brethren, what a difference kind and encouraging words can have. And this is how we need to be friends, to be kind-hearted, encouraging to one another. And we should never presume in whether in, in our speech, even in prayer meetings, in, in whatever it is, we should never presume that we know what someone is going through. We should rather speak to people in private and get to know their hearts. We should be kind. We should be encouragers, as it were. It reminds me of the words in Ephesians 4.32 And be kind to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Like Jacob, friends, we can all be overtaken in a fault, can't we? And by many, many pressures that come upon us. A word spoken in due season, how good a medicine it is to the heart. That word a soft word, spoken in due season. Just just a, a, a word of encouragement, a word of salt, seeing how someone is doing. Just an, an email to someone, a phone call to someone, to see how they're doing. If we see someone struggling, or someone's going under, an email, a phone call. Just to, just to see how someone's doing. A, a, a word in, spoken in due season. Friends, how good it is. Jacob's spiritual faculties here started to kick in again. Faith started to revive again. He shows great wisdom in the instruction he gives to his children when sending them off again to buy corn and, and food. In verse 11 and 12 he instructs his children to bring some of their best fruits and balm and honey and spices and goods as it were, some of those peculiar fruits and those peculiar goods of Canaan? To just a little of them, to entreat the prime minister, to entreat the the ruler, and to bring double the money, as it were. And this was to show that that their intentions were good, and whatever transpired previously was an oversight. You see, he didn't have to bring entreat the prime minister. He didn't have to bring double the money he didn't have to bring all these things but he did it because he has integrity towards God here he sees that God sees his heart and his conscience and so he's wanting he's wanting to make up for the oversight that happened you see although may, although he, they made he may have got away with it but not with God you see so he inst- this is wisdom here that he instructs his uh, his children to, to go and Jacob previously done the same to Esau didn't he he did the same to Esau he, he entreated Esau and so mollified him as it were and of course little did he know the good intentions that were already installed for him by Joseph there were good intentions already and friends is this not the case spiritually speaking when we earnestly entreat the Lord, the King of kings, as it were, the ruler of all, is not his good intentions already upon us, as it were. Even when we... He's the one that even gives us uh, this entreatment, as it were. His good intentions already set upon us. Yea, he has, he has planned it already. And the words of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven really sing true of this. It's such a wonderful passage. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. What wonderful words, promises the Lord gives to us. In verses 13 and 14, we see the faith of Jacob starts to revive again. He says, Take also your brother and arise. Go again unto the man, that's unto Joseph, and God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Wow! Notice here the difference in Jacob's attitude now. The the attitude has completely changed. Faith here is... Is revived. He's now willing, like Abraham, to give up his beloved son here, as it were. He now, he now, he's he's now willing to give up Benjamin before he wasn't. He was so resistant. Faith has revived. He now points them where to get the bread of life. Go again unto the man, go to Joseph. Go, get the, go to the bread of life. Joseph was a, a type, a picture of Christ. Go to the man, as it were. We see reviving faith revives prayer life as well. Jacob sends his children off with a prayer. And God Almighty give you mercy before the band. He sends them off with a prayer. This reviving faith, it comes with reviving prayer. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man. That he may send away your brother. And finally reviving faith puts puts all into the sovereign hands of God. He says, if I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Before he's holding on to Benjamin. Benjamin. Now his faith has revived. His prayer life has revived. Now he's trusting in the sovereignty of God. He remembers the mercies of God, the promises of God. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. I'm, I'm, I'm casting it all upon the Lord now. I'm casting my beloved upon the Lord now. We see here these, this, the wonderful, reviving faith, how the Lord... When sometimes we can be overcome by all these things, how he can so revive us and revive our prayer life and so that we trust in his sovereignty. And in verses 15 and 17, Benjamin is sent into Egypt with all the goods, with all the goods with his brethren. And no doubt that he was the most precious of goods, wasn't he? That's what Joseph was looking for. Joseph. Thought thought so, because immediately upon seeing his brethren, we're told in verse 16, that he saw Benjamin with them. He saw Benjamin with them. You see, Joseph wanted to know that his his brother Benjamin was okay. He loved his brother. He was wanting to see whether his brothers were still mistreating Benjamin and their father. And so he, he went through this exercise of discovering if there, if there was true truly repentance, if they had turned from these things. And so under the mighty hand of God, he, he's like a master surgeon. He's, he's digging, he's cutting, as it were, testing them. And by God's grace, bringing them to lasting repentance. And no doubt his bowels yearned for his younger brother. He had discovered that his brother Benjamin was okay. And in verse 16, Joseph says, To the ruler of his house, bring these men home and slay. That is, to make a, to make a meal, uh, to bring in an animal, slay an animal. You can even you can go as far as to say an atonement for them. Um, but to, to kill an animal and make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the ruler did as Joseph bade and take note a, a couple of points here dear friends firstly the perplexity this caused joseph's brethren they thought the worst didn't they they thought the worst and generally those who of course who are living in sin or who have who have got guilt in their past they think the worst yet joseph's intentions to them were for good for good 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time. Let let us never be presumptuous in our judgment. You know, the the culture which we're living in, friends, is so presumptuous that we're living in. Modern psychology in in basing decisions upon silly things, the color of someone's car, the outward look of something, basing on certain things. Our judgment as Christians should be on the word of God. That's what our judgment should be on, and, and nothing else than that. And so we see here, friends, uh, the judgment. Let our judgment not be presumptuous. Let us our judgment be upon the word of the living God. Take note also that Joseph's ethics and his work ethic here, dear friends, is clearly on display. It says in verse 16 that he would dine with his brethren at noon. And so we see here the, the need here. His need was he didn't want to immediately leave all his business, he desperately wanted to be with Benjamin and with his brethren. He, there was people that were hungry there was people that were in need there were people coming from great distances for food as it were and that was the priority and so he didn't, he didn't just give that up as it were and so it's quite, this is quite telling that he's, he, he carried on working until the noon till noon as it were and, and there's a principle in this to, there's a principle in this to us that we must do that which is needful, friends, and, and I'm talking in terms of the, the spiritual sense here. We must put in place those things which spiritually are a priority in our lives every day. Personally, as Christians, are we putting in place those spiritual things, those spiritual priorities in our personal walk with the Lord, in our family devote, in our family with the Lord? in the church life with the Lord, putting those things which are needful. And we see this with Joseph. He, it was needful for him. Yes, he would have um, no doubt much preferred gone, gone to be with his brethren, and especially to see Benjamin again, but he was putting in place that which was needful. The people were, and remember, he was a type. People were coming to him for food, as it were. So there's a gospel application here. In verses 17 through 22, we see how Joseph's steward takes his brethren to his house. They're, they are still thinking the worst. They still think that they're being brought to, to, to be questioned. They make their case of their integrity and their, their noble intentions. And in verse 23, one cannot but marvel at Joseph's steward's gracious answer to them. and uh, and and the spirits that's within him he says in verse 23 peace be to you fear not for, for uh, fear not your god and the god of your father have given you treasure in your sacks this coming from an egyptian it would seem that joseph's godly influence took effect by god's grace upon his steward He too, it seems, trusted in the Lord Jehovah here. Peace be to you. Fear not. Fear not your God and the God of your father. That is, your 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 father Jacob, Jacob's father, the God of Jacob, have given you treasure in your sacks. It was divine providence that the money was in their sacks. And friends, let us never forget. If we would have any any comfort at all, we must remember that the Lord is in the trial. I just really want us to remember that. The Lord is in the trial. All the trials of life, the Lord is in it. Well, we see in verses 24 and 25, Joseph's brethren brought to his estate, and they were treated they were treated kindly and they were given. Uh, Their their donkeys were given food. And when Joseph came home, verse 26, they presented their father's gift to Joseph, that the the balm and the honey and the spices and those peculiar gifts of of, uh, Canaan. And they bowed themselves to the earth and they reverenced Joseph. And thus, once again, fulfilling Joseph's dreams. The Lord has always been in the trial. You can imagine what was going through Joseph's heart then when when this was unfolding. The Lord has been in the trial, in all my trials. All the the time when I was thrown in the pit, the time where I was false witnessed against in Potiphar's house. All these times, the Lord was in, in them, in all these things. These things weren't in vain, as it were. And in verse 27, Joseph asks of their welfare and that of, and that of his father Jacob whether he was yet alive and they answered in verse 28 "My servant our father is in good health and he is yet alive and they bowed down their heads and made obeisance; they reverenced him as it were and in verse 26 we're told that Joseph lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin his mother's son And said, Is this your youngest brother of whom ye spake unto me? And he said, God be gracious unto thee, my son. We see here, we can imagine again, we see here something of the language Joseph speaks about, about his brother. He lifted up his eyes and saw his brother, Benjamin, verse 29, his mother's son. 20 years he was split from Benjamin. Benjamin who did not uh, evilly entreat uh, Joseph. And so we have this beautiful pictorial language here. He's lifting up his eyes, almost prayerfully looking at uh, Benjamin. And it's, it's his heart, and it, he's yearning just to embrace Benjamin, but you know he can't at this moment in time. In verse 30 we're told that Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep, and he entered into his chamber and wept there. Well friends, in this do we not see the tender and broken heartedness of Joseph? What all these years must have meant, all these years being separated from his father and his beloved, his beloved brother, from, from the same mother, uh, his, he he so yearned for him, and how Joseph loved Benjamin and his father, in whom they cruelly separated. Joseph, of course, could not contain himself, and he found a, a chamber and he wept there. Tears, no doubt, of relief and joy that Benjamin is safe. There was te- tears of joy here, and relief that he was he was well friends gracious weepers do not proclaim their tears we see here deliberately we see here how how joseph discreetly as it were he goes and he and he weeps in private as it were this is no, this is no show for him gracious weepers do not proclaim their tears now sometimes of course it's it's hard isn't it it's hard for us to Whether it's in preaching or under the ministry or wherever it is, sometimes it's hard for us not to weep, as it were. But we don't go to the one extreme where we start to have go to extents where we make a big performance, as it were, a big show. Um, We see here with Jacob, he holds as he contains himself and he weeps in private to the Lord joyfully to the Lord and what a blessed thing it is to have a heart for God's people and for God's causes though at times it can be incredibly trying in the remaining verses we see Joseph's wisdom and patience in the banquet that he's prepared that was prepared for both his brethren and the Egyptians you notice that there were tables for his brethren and the Egyptians And in this we see almost a picture of the Gospel, do we not? We see how uh, Joseph is with the Egyptians as as well as his brethren. And we see here a picture, almost a a future picture, of how the Lord will bring together both Jew and Gentile in the faith. Of course, we know later on, as we go more upon... In our study, we'll see how Joseph reveals himself to his brethren alone, which is a picture of how Christ reveals Himself to all true believers as well. And we'll come to see that later on. You see, he did not force Joseph did not force himself uh, force them to sit together, the Egyptians and the uh, and and his brethren he, he 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 knew too well that it was it is the lord that can join as it were jew and gentile together so he shows great wisdom in this great subtlety in this as it were however once again this chapter ends really in a, in a subtle test that joseph gives to his brethren to further discover his brethren's hearts towards Benjamin. He gives Benjamin uh, five times uh, more the amount of food, mess, as it were, uh, this provision. He gives him five times. That was deliberate, and he did. He did this to determine whether they had the same disposition towards him as they did with Joseph, as it were, with the younger. Would they have the same disposition? Would they be full of envy and jealousy as it were, and anger and this side of things? If they had, he would keep Benjamin to him again by himself. He would keep Benjamin close to himself. If they had they hadn't, by God's grace, the door would be open to bring the whole family, as it were, to Egypt, out of Hebron, out of Canaan, as it were. He wanted to see, of course, the whole family is hoping, by God's grace, to see the whole family converted. And this is what we see. And he would not have let Benjamin go. But he sees here that they're acting differently. There's a work of grace in their hearts. And this, it would seem, was the key, friends, that God is bringing the future covenant family, as it were, out of, out of Canaan, of Hebron, and he's bringing them into Egypt. And this is a, a, a preparing for the generations, a ripening of the Israel, the nation of Israel, as it were, for the promised land. The, the afflictions that they will go through in the coming generations is ripening them. As it were, for the promised land. And finally, dear brethren, perhaps just a few words in closing. As believers, we all really like Jabe can can endure times of difficulty and times of severe pressures and trials. If we're not if we're not mindful and prayerful and on guard daily, it can really cause. It can cause in us a joyless Christianity. Let let us be ever so aware of a spirit of defeatism, as it were, especially in these days that we live in. We have this this spirit of defeatism, this joyless Christianity, Uh, friends. We must be aware of this. And and this is a a personal thing within our own hearts. It must begin. Uh, Jacob, for a time, had this kind of joyless, this, this bitterness that he, he was encompassed with, this defeatism, this, this spirit of defeatism. And furthermore, friends, like the transformed Judah, let us be an encourager of fellow believers. Always pray and seek for opportunities to show kindness with those who are struggling in the faith. A few words, kind words, an encouragement, as it were, an email, hospitality, uh, a phone call. Uh, always seek and pray for opportunities where you can, if you, and, and be mindful of people who perhaps unbeknown to yourself are going through difficult trials, many pressures. Seek to prayerfully, uh, seek to know those in the flock, that, are, that need help, as it were. Be mindful of, of one another's burdens and cares. As it says in Galatians 6, 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ. And never forget also in closing, friends, that the Lord is in the trial. There's, you know, there's never, there's, We can never have any comfort at all if we do not realise that the Lord is always, always in the trial. He was in the trial with Joseph, he was in the trial with Jacob, and he was in the trial with the brethren. He is always, always in our trials. Never be tempted to think otherwise, that God is not in our trials. That's what the devil wants us to think. All these things are against me as it were, the famine is against me, the spiritual condition, all these things, but yet God is in it. If we're trusting in him and we love him and we're walking by faith, he's in the trial. And in close, closing with a benediction in 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11, but but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, Make you perfect, established, strength, settle you. To him be glory and dominion, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.